What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Russ, with as many kids as we have between us, there's always good questions being asked. I, I sometimes struggle to remember them all, but I got to ask you, what's the most recent question that you were excited about or maybe taken aback by one of your kids? Hmm. You know, it's funny that you asked me that right now. Last night I was up, it's almost 11 o'clock. Usually I've been in bed for two hours, you know me. <laughs> but I happened to be up and one of my older daughters came up to me and said, Dad, you used to be a boy. <laughs> Good okay. lead in. Good lead in. <laughs> All right. I don't know what that is. Like, are you busting my chops here? What are we talking? How, how the boys, how do they like to be talked to? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, so I have this boy that I sort of like. And we saw each other at church tonight and, you know, we got to talk for a few minutes, but like if, if I wanted to like talk to him again, I just don't know how to do that. Uh, what, what would you have said to that question? That is such a great question. Cause I want to know, be honest, like I, <laughs> I had a response, I, but I'm interested in, as, as a dad. And if you're not a dad, you don't have a kid, just fast forward, get to, get to the podcast. We're answering questions from our community today, but this is, this is a little parenting one-on-one. If you, if you haven't gone through this, you're about to go through that. So you're going through this, th maybe this is interesting. First of all, it's amazing that she asked you your opinion that that tells me a lot, right? She is respecting what you're saying because of your experience of being a boy. Um, but I think the answer to me is just like, guys don't want a bunch of pressure. Right. They don't want to be like put in a position where like they're in front of their, their buddies and this girl's trying to like talk to them. And, you know, now they feel like, you know, they have to give her all this attention. It's just kind of in passing. Like, hey, how are you? What did you do this weekend? You know, just nonchalant that it would grow and that your friend groups kind of become friend groups, no longer like separate packs. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's, let me throw a little wrinkle in there. Right. So I went sort okay. of down that road. Hey, I think the best way to interact is in groups. This whole one-on-one -on -one dating is for the birds. 100%. Like I know that that is what the, the world shows like, Oh, you should start dating, go on little one-on-one -on -one dates. And it's so cute. No, that is stupid. You don't yes. put, you know, 15 to 18 year olds together one-on-one, -on -one, they don't know what to talk about. And, and the, the problem is it puts them in bad scenarios. Yes. Go in groups on and do things because then you're not, like you said, pressurized to talk to just one person and you can see how they interact with multiple people. So I said that and she said, well, dad, the problem is with that 
is he's two years older than me. So he probably wouldn't, his friend group and my friend group probably just wouldn't naturally hang out. And I'm like, Huh. And that's when you said, all right, no, no more talking. <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not having this conversation anymore. No. All right. So I'm, I'm going to tell you what I said. We'll end this because uh, I, I, I've been thinking about this for a while, reading books on it, right? Never experienced it um, really up to this point. And I said, Hey, here's the thing. If, if everything went right, if, if like, if whatever happened the way you wanted, you know, I'm sure you've dreamed this in your head already. If everything went perfect, what does that look like? And she said, well, I don't know. We would start dating and, you know, like maybe he would start pursuing me for marriage. And I was like, man, that's so sweet. I'm so grateful that that's the way your brain thinks. And I, I, I believe that that's what you really want. Now, can I, can I say something without hurting your feelings? <laughs> She's like, uh, okay. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's not what he thinks. <laughs> That is not the way boys think. You're asking me for a boy's opinion. That's not the way boys think. Boys don't think five and 20 years down the road. They think about today and maybe tomorrow. Exactly. That's it. I was like, you're so far ahead of him mentally, immaturity. He's just not there. And unfortunately, what ends up happening is you have this one outlook on life and it's going to go this way. They have a completely different outlook and it creates conflict. And that's why we see this whole broken relationship over and over and over, which is like little mini divorces. And that's it right. hence the reason why we should not create that pattern. I believe that one of the reasons we have so many divorces in America today, Joey, is because we've been taught how to date and how to get, you know, when we're no longer compatible, quote unquote compatible, then we just break up and we just carry that forward into marriages. And I said, you know, I'm not a fan of this. So I would say, let's take the pressure off of this. Stop worrying about this situation. If this was the right boy that God intended for you, he will find a way for it all to work out. Now, go to bed because I'm tired. <laughs> all right, I man. love it. I love it. En enough of parenting talk. And, and by the way, if you, you think I gave the absolute wrong answer, send it to info at wealthwellwallstreet.com. Parenting advice gone wrong. I am all ears. And if you have a story that you want to share that will help me or Joey, in the future, we will take it. Info at WestWaltWallStreet.com. All right, Joey, let's pull a chair up to the table and belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we break down complex financial topics so that you can more easily understand them and more importantly, take action on your path to becoming financially free. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Grateful to have you in the room. I'm Russ Morgan. They call me the idea guy, mostly because lack of follow-through guy just didn't sound so cool to me. But enough about me for a minute. Let me introduce you to my co-host, my partner, the Italian Stallion. He's got a license plate cover to prove it, Mr. Joe Murray. Stallion, good afternoon. In the house, my brother. So glad to be here with you. 
Man, I am so grateful for you to be with me as well. Today, we're going to be answering questions from the community, and I'm going to need your help. Are you ready? I'm all ears, and I'm willing to share my opinion. How about that? Uh, well, I'm, I'm hopeful, man, because I've been in rooms with you. Sometimes you've been quieter than I would like you to be. So I'm I'm <laughs> eager for you to, you know, be vocal today with me. Okay. I'm, I'm all here. All right. Well, let's let's get over to the rest of our coaches, right? I'm grateful that they are here to help us answer this. We've got some of the greatest coaches. I like to call the dream team, if you will. To my left, I got Mr. Incredible with superpower is speed to financial freedom. The real beauty of that speed is it is contagious. My man, J.D. Hill. Say hello to your fans, J.D. Hey, fans. Uh, for those of y'all that are listening, uh, you know what else is contagious? These glasses. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing the 80s back. And, uh, in a hurry. In a in hurry. hurry. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I, I've forgotten as I look into the camera and, and see myself, I have my blue light blockers still I on. can tell. I'm take those off. No, you just keep those... them on. They protect your eyes. Well, they do protect my eyes, but they also reflect the light off of them because they're not, you know, the fancy, like fancy ones like you have. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Hey, JD, you get lots of questions on I a do. regular basis and people want to know different things. How is it that we're going to answer questions today? You think that's going to make a difference in somebody's life? Why is it so important for us to do that today? You think? Well, I think it's important for a number of reasons. One, there's just, there's so much noise out there um, of, of people uh, I think, I, I think people naturally want to help people that do, you know, similarly to, to what we do. But, but I think one of the challenging parts is how do you sift through that noise to connect the tool that we obviously think is a foundation to the actual end result that you're trying to get, right? And and oftentimes um, the reason what I think creates a lot of these these questions and this confusion is because people try to make the tool something that it isn't, right? People try to make a hammer a saw, or they try to make it a screwdriver, and it's it's not that; it's a hammer. Um, and so I think when you really understand what the tool is and how it fits into financial freedom, so much more clarity comes into, comes into place. So I'm, a, I'm assuming you're, you're referring to the tool of infinite banking specifically. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think that there's going to be definitely, there are going to be questions we're going to need to go through that's covering infinite banking. So if you've had those, you're going to get to hear some of those. But also, we're going to be covering stallion things around passive income. We get a lot of a, a lot of questions about what sort of assets should I be investing in, when should I be investing, how much, all of that stuff, right? All right, let's don't give it all away because we got a, a problem solver in the room that I want to get to real quick. Let's introduce the true financial Sherlock Holmes of our day. No problem too difficult to solve. If I'd only known him earlier, I'd been so much richer, says everybody, Mr. Downtown Ernie Brown. I see Ern. It is nice to be seen. Grateful to be included in the conversation. Now, you are the one that when someone asks a question, they're going to get a very thoughtful response, right? And I, I want to start with you first. What is the most interesting question that you have fielded over the last week? Oh, tough question. I'll, I'll work on that. I thought you were going to say something else, Russ. I thought you were going to mention that when somebody asked me a question, they were going to get a solid moment of silence. <laughs> the thoughtfulness approach there. What is the most interesting question I've gotten in this week? Uh, uh, that sets the bar really high. I, I'm, I'm blanking. I don't know. 
maybe maybe in the next 20 minutes I'll, I'll come up with something but I'm sorry well, I, can't. I mean hey look brian had put a question in there and gave you a softball i thought maybe you would say hey brian you know that was an interesting question let's let's tackle it but i'll i'll hold off for just a second i'll give you a little bit of a thought. i know that you're a processor you need to think through this so stallion yeah i want to i want to talk first before we get into infinite banking before we get into passive income i want to talk about interacting with people we get a lot of questions because we're getting ready to go to scottsdale arizona spend time with our mastermind right and people ask us at those masterminds on a regular basis how do i determine if this is the right group for me what would you say to that? Well, so, and you're talking specifically about our mastermind. Yeah. Yeah. This is great because I think sometimes you hear us talk about it. You, we've even done several podcasts uh, with other members of our masterminds. You may have even heard us talk about those on other podcasts. And it sounds interesting, right? It sounds like, man, this is a group that is focused on building passive income. I'm interested in that. Right. So you could check that box in your brain. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I don't have a lot of time. I have more money than time. I check that box. But what's it actually like about the people within that group? Because if you're not, those things are interesting. But what about like, am I like minded with the kind of people that are going to be there? And here's what I'll tell you from personal experience. These are the kind of people that are on a mission for, for freedom because their families are valuable to them, right? The time that they have, they want to maximize for impact. Um, and they're willing to do, in some cases, the hard work of staying focused on that because it's so much easier to be busy and it's so much easier to make excuses. And so just like our, our buddy Brent, who just joined today, who's live on the, on the podcast with us right now, he said, I'm willing to take the investment to the next level and to go to this uh, mastermind because there are people in my life that are more important to me that I need to invest to get to this point of 200% of my passive income to monthly expenses so that I can have a greater impact. Okay. All right, JD, I got a question. For <laughs> was you that now. not good enough for you, Russ? Is that not <laughs> a good enough answer? I'm just, I'm waiting. No, on it's it. good, man. I, I can't spend time. I'm going to give you guys, I'm pat you on the back. Did a good job. I got to move on, man. This is a podcast. We, we, we got a, a ton of questions to get through. Great job. <laughs> to the next one. All right, JD, I got a question for you. Ask me anything. I left a corporate job about 90 days ago and I have approximately 200K in a 401K. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got $200,000 in a 401K. I left my job. Now, I've been watching it drop so far this year. That drop makes the penalties and taxes seem like a lot less concerning than they were 90 days ago. I'm 42 years old and I just started my first whole life policy using the infant banking. Can I withdraw the money out of the 401k and put it in the rider part of that life insurance policy and then borrow from it to better fund my business? Well, one, I love the 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 back end of that of the the, the thinking part, right? Of how do I get creative to 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 take 
this money that's in prison and, and be able to start using it today uh, to achieve a meaningful result of financial freedom. Um, you know, as we were talking about this yesterday, uh, Ernie had, had said some really, really amazing things around 401ks in general um, that I thought was, was really positive. Um, you know, number one, um, if you're still employed, you, you, you can't, you can't take the money out of the 401k, uh, likely. And so you have to be on, you have to, you have to leave employment there in order to be able to get access to that 401k to then move it into an IRA. Uh, some, some 401ks will allow you to take another distribution. But I think the, the, the bigger question is, is that your, your, your rights in alignment with, you know, thinking big picture of how do I take this money, use it into my IBC system that I can then start investing into my business. Um, and thinking through, some of the traps and pitfalls that I think a lot of people will use around the 401k or the IRA. So for example, one is well, why would you do that? Because you're going to get hit with the penalty and you got to pay taxes, right? Well, it's all relative. And so for example, um, if the penalty is 10%, if I were to, you know, not be employed and I were to take that cash out of my, my 401k, put an IRA and take it out of my 401k, could I make up that 10% somewhere else? I don't know. You, you may not be able to, I, I might be able to, right? Everybody's situation is going to be totally different, but I think, I think it's easy to start looking at the cost differently to figure out, can I make that up somewhere else? Because here's the deal. Like the market is, I mean, it's been a, a, a steamy, um, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it has not been, it has not been strong at all. Uh, and, and, and so what people are it losing, seems like that was a start and a stop there. Like you were going down this, this path and then you switch gears. Well, I didn't, you know, I want, it's, I want to be kid friendly. You know what I mean? Okay. And so I, I do it for the kids. Kids so stuff, I, right? I, I do think it's important though. Like if you consider, if I paid the 10% penalty and then I paid the taxes, which there's creative ways to avoid that. Well, all the money that people are losing right now is, is oftentimes greater than what the penalty and the taxes would have been if you were to just take the money out to begin with. And so I'm not recommending or advocating you take money out of your 401k at all. Right. I, I certainly think that's, um, you know, meeting with a coach, uh, and helping you put things to, in place and, and, and map out like, how do I actually use this money in a way that's going to be productive and fruitful, even if I were to pay penalties and taxes, uh, because that's something that we've helped a lot of people do, um, you know, throughout, uh, coaching, co coaching folks is figuring out how to actually do that the right way. So, so I, I, I love that people are asking that question, right. And I love that this person already has their first policy. And I love they're thinking if, if, if I go ahead and take the cash out, can I put that as a, you know, a, a basically a, a PUA, uh, you know, into my system, uh, then I can start using it again. All right. Perfect. All right, Ern, we got a question coming in live here, which is the best ones. I love those. So my landlord just told me he's willing to sell half of the building, the commercial building that my business occupies. I rent it for 12 thousand dollars a month he's asking 2.6 million dollars there's another 8800 dollars or 8800 square feet which is rented with four years left on, for that tenant i've got two banks i've talked to today just trying to come up with creative opportunities banks etc for help how would you answer that question what sort of um, input would you give brian as he seeks more options yeah, thanks. Uh, well, we can certainly talk through this. This would be, I think there's a lot more questions that I would love to ask on the other end, but I'll just try to break down as I'm reading through this. 
Number, number one, it sounds like he's been asking this landlord about selling the business or selling the the, the building uh, because the landlord said he's willing. So there's been some conversation. So it sounds like he wants to. Should I do it? That seems to be the question that he's asking. Seems like the piece that he can buy is is both what his business is already paying rent towards. He's in a lease and and that would also come with another space that's already rented and uh, of, of 8,800 square feet. And then he's got this asking price, a potential sale price of 2.6 million. So how would we break this down? I would wonder what is his rent? What What is he paying rent right now? How would that relate? I think I rent 12,000. I don't know if that, no, oh, that's, that's, a that's a square feet. That's a square foot. I thought that was his rent. Okay. So right. what is the rent? If he did buy it at that price and put a down payment on, got financing for the rest. He, yeah. He pays 8,000 for his 12,000 square feet. He pays 8,000 a month for the 12,000 square feet. Yep. Okay. Yep. I would wonder what would the, what would the, the payment be on if he did purchase it? And, and then it would be a question of, well, what are you, what are you trying to accomplish in life? We, we know that the business is going to, to pay for a place, right? You either rent it or you own it. You're going to pay for that. Uh, is it better for that to be going into your pocket long-term? Because we know the benefits of owning real estate, the potential to harvest equity or sell on the back end, the tax advantages that remain, whether you lease or, or own, are not so different. That's that's an expense to the business anyways. So does the ownership and the controlling that real estate for equity in the long run or, or future sale, does that help you get to your own personal end objective faster than continuing to just lease the space? And um, my my gut is sounds like a great opportunity to to buy this real estate through a separate entity then you're running your business and allow your business to pay rent to that entity that's controlling the real estate i've talked to several people who use that exact strategy and uh, that's a that's a great win so without knowing uh, more about where that is the value of that property if that's a fair price i like the idea i, I, I want to hear russ's take on this because well, I think there's a lot of things that we did not ask or or even right. know to ask in that situation. Well, he, one of the things I'm going to draw to at the end of his question, which I really think is interesting, something that, Joey, you and I have spent a lot of time lately focusing on is the deal is not as interesting as the options for the deal, right? That's right. So it, it's hard to measure one deal against another without seeing all the potential options. And the more you find out about what are different ways. So the assumption, Brian, is that the person wants the $2.6 million written to them in a check. And now you're half owner. And that's the way that we've been taught, right? Like every time we wanted to buy a house, what did we do? We showed up at the closing table and there was a check delivered to the seller. But not anymore, right? Joe, I mean, one of the speakers at our event in Scottsdale has bought a hundred million in real estate without ever using his own credit or his own money. So it tells me that there's option opportunities for us all to learn from the creative options, right? So one of the things I would want to do, especially probably Brian, 
that this is somebody you've been renting for for a while, you probably have a relationship to some degree. I'd want to know, hey, if I, what are all the options in which you would uh, be willing to take this 2.6 million without assuming that they only want it in cash? And let's just say the person happened to say, man, I just want to check for 2.6 million. Well, that's great. Um, what would you do with the 2.6 million, by the way? They're not going to just start consuming 2.6 million. That's going to come out in the form. They're going to put it somewhere. And for what purpose, Joey? They're going to try to turn it into some sort of cash flow nine times out of 10. And they're going to be right. right back at Wealth Without Wall Street saying, <laughs> hey, could you help us figure out how to create cash flow from this 2.6 million? I just read this comment. It was so drawing, Joey. I wanted to share it. I realized that my time is not really mine. It's my company's. Now I have to stop negotiating my time for money and I need to start working to become financially free. That's exactly how I felt when my daughter Adler asked me on the way to school, dad, can you pick me up from school today? And I had to say, no, baby, I have to go to work. That's where I drew the line. In order for you to be clear on the things you need to do and stop doing and to know who you need to become so that you can stop trading time for money, join us right now at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Now let's get back to this episode. Right. The, the money is useless. It's what you can use the money to do is what people want. What is it that they want to do with it? Now, let's just say they're not understanding the creative ways to buy property either. And they were going to take this 2.6 million to buy another property with the 2.6 million. We said, well, maybe you should learn from the opportunities from this. So here's one of the things. Most likely the person wants to cash out to put some money in their pocket, really to create cash flow, right? So what would be a great cash flow for me? If you took 2.6 million, Mr. Landlord, and you put it in a in a bank, how much could you kick off every single month um, reasonably off of that. Well, we know if they took it down to the local bank, they're going to get like half of 1%, right? But let's just say they go find a better deal and they got 3% on their money. That means they're going to kick off on a monthly basis about 6,500 bucks. All right. Well, is that enough? Like, does that, does that help solve your problem? Is that the problem you're trying to solve? Or are you trying to get $6,500 more a month? Is that going to make you that much happier? Because given the fact that I was paying you $8,000, it seems like you're losing, <laughs> right? It seems like maybe you're going in the hole. So how much money do you need? Oh, well, $8,000 a month would be great. Well, what if I could get you $8,000 a month? Could having them owner finance hold the note on this Maybe another alternative, right? Where I don't come up with 2.6 million out of my pocket. Maybe I come up with zero out of my pocket and I just start paying them a greater amount. So if I was paying them 8,000 to rent it, maybe I'm paying 10,000 to buy it. I don't know what the deal is. And so I'd be looking for what are the owner finance options out there. In addition to all the wonderful things you said, Ernie, like doing some research, finding out, yeah, I got a four year lease. Well, is that tenant going to renew? I'd want to go talk to that tenant. Is there other space out there? What's the availability? Uh, for that, how how's this com, um, you know, if I were to move out of my space at some point, how competitive um, is the market for this building? There's lots of things, but I would say thinking creative is where I would go first. Try not to ever buy it with your money, because I think we said that the last time. The worst way to do a deal is by writing a check. 
And yes, you can go get money from a bank, but what if there was a better way? What if you didn't have to go on the hook for that? You'd have to use your credit. You could use the, the seller's stuff. So that, that's my thought. The um, only th- Hey, can I just jump in with one question? Please. The only thing that y'all didn't talk about is how did he come up with the valuation of 2.6 million to begin with? And if you don't understand how commercial properties are valued, it's all off of NOI, right? Net operating income. So what is his actual net operating income on this piece of real estate? If you don't know that, then you don't know if 2.6 million is a good price, a bad price, or, or what it is. That's just a simple thing that I would just start with and then get to what Russ is talking about from the creative way of saying, okay, I like this deal. It makes sense for me because the NOI is X, Y, Z. And I see this in an appreciation area, or there's a way I can add value to, to push that valuation up. Now I've got a really good deal. Now, how do I buy it? Yeah. That's just my two cents. All right. I love that. All right. I'm going to, um, we got another question that came in live right here. And if, by the way, if you, you would want to participate with these live so you can interact with the coaches, you can go to wealthwildwallstreet.com forward slash free call and ask one of, the coach, one of these coaches, how is it that you could participate and have access to other people who are doing the things that you want to be doing and could be getting feedback in real time? Ben asked the question, I, I've been going through this right next thing process, which is what we do with every single member that comes into our inner circle. And up to this point, I've done a lot of things, and unfortunately, they haven't worked. My Roth IRA, my 401k, 529 plans, stock market, et cetera. All these things have led me not to where I want to be, which is having 200% of my passive income. I am at 17% so far. Kudos to you, Ben. But with the help of the group, looking forward to getting focused on the right next steps and taking action. So here's the question. How should I be taking or how should I be thinking about my next best step? JD, how would you walk Ben through that process to understand what would be the right next thing for him? What would be the right next step? so that he's not afraid of taking action and he can move in the right direction without spinning his wheels. Well, you know, we, and I think what he's referring to is our um, right next thing uh, that we walk people through and it, it walks people through, um, you know, basically five different components on where you stand. If you were to grade yourself from a D to a C to a B to an A, a, a D is needs help all the way up to an A, a superpower. Uh, around your strategy and your plan, uh, your infinite banking, your passive income, your tax strategy, and your structures and your planning. And as you are working through that, um, I think what happens is, is that what we want to do is is create a baseline, right? So everything below a C, right? You're going to work left to right. And whatever is below a C, you're going to work on that one to get it up to a B, right? Or if it's at a D and everything is at a D, then you want to move that up to one block to a C. Go ahead, so, Russ. Judy, why, let me ask you a question. Why is that so important? Why do we do it that way? Like how do, why is like for somebody's, you know, for Ben, he asked passive income, for instance, right? I want to get my passive income from 17% to 200%. Yeah. But if, if his strategy and planning needed an upgrade or needed help, if infinite banking was only good, why would we not focus on the passive income, the thing that he's saying he really wants? Why would we focus on strategy and planning first and then move to the passive income? 
Well, because that's going to determine how you do your passive income or what passive income options you would choose to want to pursue. Right. I, I think what happens, and I've, I've been guilty of this before where I'm like, okay, I'm super hyper-focused. I want to get to this goal and then I'll just grasp at anything. Um, and so I get shiny object syndrome where I'm like, oh, I, I like this one or, or, oh, I like this one too. Like I like land flipping. I like short-term rentals. Right. I, you know, I like, um, you know, get multifamily and commercial. Like there's all these different options that are out there, but if you don't have a good framework for how you're going to actually get there, which starts with the strategy and the plan, uh, what the goal is, what the vision is, um, then, then I think that's, um, um, that I think you end up wasting more time than you actually do making progress. Right. And, and I mean, the reason why you don't start there, right. Is that you end up getting what you don't want, right? He said, I don't want to be spinning my wheels and wasting time. That's right. But what ends up happening without clarity, without a plan of action to attack it, to feel confident that you're doing, you end up riding down the road with the brake lights on. That's right. How many of you have been riding down the road and you see that joker on the interstate with brake lights on? That's and I'm right. not talking about like they're they're flying up onto somebody. They're literally, nobody's in front of them. You can see the brake lights. What's happening, Ern? I'll How is that possible? from my first answer. Uh, second answer is you're getting angry at them and they're not very happy with themselves either. They're ashamed of themselves. What I'm asking is, how is it that someone could be driving with brake lights on? They got they one foot on the gas. Foot. Yeah. They got one foot on the brake. A hundred percent. They've got a foot touching the brake. And that is what people who don't have clarity, who don't have a strategy in place, that is superstar potential, right? Who haven't, think, haven't thought through any of that. So it's so important to work through that process to get clarity to you so that you know what to do. If you've, if you've built the infinite banking process or, or we call it the Rockefeller cash flow system, if you've built that, right, then now, you know, now you can take action from that. But I, it, it reminds me of Jared, right? We were having this conversation. You, you were sharing me the conversation with Jared and said, Hey, when, when Jared came to us, he had done a lot of things, right. But what was his biggest concern, JD? With Jared? Yeah you always ask the best questions and only, you know, the answers to. He, he didn't know where to start. Right. He, he was saying, I, I got, I got all of this money and I don't know where to start. Did he not? I'm just uh, repeating back what you told me a second ago. Well, yes, of course. Yes. I just didn't know where you were leading me. So thank you for and, answering the question for me. I, let me ask you. So once he, once he got clear on what he did, just name a handful of things Jared's done since having clarity. Uh, done for you land flipping. Uh, okay. Multifamily syndications. He's done some private lending. Um, he's done some long-term rentals. Um, he's done some oil and gas investing. Uh, do, do you want to keep going? What? It's like a list of like 10 things. Once he got yeah. clear and confident, then he was like, oh, here's my goal. Here's what I want to accomplish. Here's the list of things that I can do. And he started doing it, didn't he? That's right. Well, we just, what was great about Jared is, he was hyper-focused on what he wanted. He was super driven by it. But again, he was just all over the place like most people because he didn't know exactly what the right next thing was, where should he start? So when we worked together, I helped him to compartmentalize all those things and to say, okay, before we start trying to disperse all this money all over the place, let's focus on just this one thing first. And then after we did that, we went to this next step here. And we just laid a framework, right? We just laid a path out that he could follow. And once that path started moving, he was like a freight train. He just literally just didn't stop. 
uh, and the level of progress that he's been able to make in such a short period of time, uh, you know, since we, we, we kind of built that out for him has just been unbelievable. Roundabout, what percentage do you think he's increased his passive income in the last six months? Just ballpark. Uh, 50%. That's a big ballpark. deal. So a it, at a minimum, right? At a minimum, if you want what Jared got, then then you should absolutely get on a call, go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash free call and have one of these coaches show you how the program they set up for Jared could work for you as well. Ernie, so we're sitting there asking that question is how do I determine what my investor DNA is, right? So that's one of the things somebody's doing through the clarity piece. What is it that you would tell somebody? How is it that they, they help there? Well, the investor DNA ultimately is a tool. It's an assessment that we've created for our people to take. And it's actually one of those baseline assessments in clarity, but it specifically falls in the passive income category. So if we're talking about the right next thing, it falls in the passive income category. And here's the thing with that. The investor DNA is important because what you said, it gives you clarity. If, if, if you don't have clarity, you're most likely riding down the road with your brake lights on. If you don't have clarity, you'll never really be confident in the things that you're moving towards. And so again, you might have your foot on the gas, but again, you'll have your other foot on the brake pedal. And so because you're not clear, because you're not confident, you'll never go fast. What the investor DNA does is it helps you take an assessment of, this is the way that I'm wired. These are the things that I'm naturally good at. These are the things that I struggle with. And then you can take that tool and pair it up to multiple different passive income strategies. And you can layer those to say, these are the, this is where I would be strong. This is where I'd be weak. And you can make a couple of decisions based on that. Uh, one of the things that it's not going to do for you is tell you exactly what to invest in. But what it can help you to do is help you to know how can you best invest in those things. For example, if you're terrible at follow through and you want to build a passive income business that requires someone's time on a high level, you know that you can you can put somebody into that place. Your investor DNA can tell you, I don't need to get in things that require me a lot of time. Uh, but if I do, I know that I need to partner with someone who's strong in those areas of follow through. So ultimately what happens with someone who takes that assessment and gets that clarity, they're able to hone down on just a couple passive income strategies and is able to go super deep in those and ultimately build confidence. And then when you know which is the one, you can shoot up that passive income right next thing matrix from a D to an A very quickly because you know what's right and you're really confident executing in those things. And you're most likely going to have much better success than if you didn't start with the first thing, which is clarity. Love that. Awesome. Thank you. Um, JD, I got one for you. Ask me anything. Excuse me. <laughs> Um, Don't so ask him about Jared now. No, I'm not bringing Jared into this. I'm not bringing Jared into this. <laughs> We're talking about home renovations. You're okay. the guy, you're the flip master, right? The house flipping connoisseur. In light of infinite banking, the question is, can I use IBC to fund a home renovation? Uh, the short answer is, of course. And how? What, what, I, what I love about IBC is the first letter I stands for infinite, right? You can use your system for 
anything you can think of legally uh, is what I'd recommend. And, um, and so I've, I've, I've said this before on, on recent podcasts and I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate it here. And my wife has gotten on to me about this because for anyways, when, when it comes to, um, creating, like using your policy to do home renovations or things like that, my mind naturally goes to what can I do to create the cash flow to pay for that renovation? Because once I take the money from, um, my, you know, from my line of credit and I now use it towards that home renovation, I now have to come up with cash flow to pay that back. Well, I would rather take that $75,000, put it into a cash flow producing asset that can pay for that home renovation. And that's literally what we did with the grass turf in our backyard. I, some of y'all may know this. I actually love uh, doing lawn care work. Um, my front yard looks very, very nice. I have a nice real mower, uh, R E E L, not a real, like tangible, you can touch it, but real mower. It's a front real mower. It's a McLean for those of y'all that know what that means. Um, it's a really nice mower. And so I keep my yard cut at about an inch to an inch and a half, um, all the time. And, uh, we have a pool in the backyard and I just, I got tired of the clippings in the back in the, in the pool. I got tired of all of it. So I was like, I want grass turf, Well, grass turf's not cheap. And my wife also has some other home renovation ideas. And I was like, well, look, what if, what if honey, if whatever it was going to cost us to actually put the grass turf in, what if I took that money, created an income stream that could pay for the grass turf? Could I do it? Cause then it's net neutral trust. You don't even feel it coming out of our, our income. And she's like, sure, you can do it. So I added pet fees to our short-term rental. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> But, so, but my point though, is like, it's, it's, it's coming up with, with whatever it is that you want back into, well, what would it actually cost me on a monthly basis? Or what could I use my cash for to create income to pay for that? Because once that's paid off, you still have the cash flow, right? And I think that's the big thing is making sure that you use passive income to pay for those things that you want. Don't use active income to pay for those things. So the long and short of it is, can you use IBC to do a home renovation? Absolutely. How do you put that on steroids? you go and use the IBC policy system to go and create the passive income to then pay for the home renovation. Now you've done it. You've doubled your opportunity. So that's right. I love and, that. Thank you. And, now, that. and real quick, now that I've proven the concept, my wife has a bunch of home renovation ideas that she wants me to do. It's kind of like give a, give a mouse a cookie kind of it's, opportunity. I mean, if you're calling my wife a mouse, um, <laughs> So now I got to come up with some other passive income ideas so that uh, uh, we can get those other home renovations going. That's right. I, I think the the point to today, right, is there's lots of ideas. I, if if you're the first thing every one of these coaches would do if you were asking them this questions, and it's hard in this environment, right, is to ask more reasons behind the question. Why why is this important, and why is this important to you right now? So if you're if you have a question for one of these coaches, I'm going to take you through this framework before we leave so that you can you can go through it and you might solve the question for yourself. Why are you asking this? Why is that important to you and why is that important to you right now? Is that the best question that you should be asking right now? Meaning is that the thing that's going to help you get closer to financial freedom in the time frame that you want it? And what are all the things that you need to know about 
the question so that you can ask a more intelligent question. Because sometimes the question that you're asking, you get an answer and then you leave the person who has the knowledge and you realize, man, crap, I got an answer to a question. I really didn't want the, I, I wanted, I wanted this, this other thing. And I missed the opportunity to ask the person when I was with them because I asked the wrong question. So are you asking the right question? And I would challenge you to dig deeper into what you're doing and then try to put it like JD just gave us an example. I'm asking this question because I would like to try to do this. There's a case study, right? There's an example of how you want this to work out. There's a reason why you're thinking about this. I'm asking a guy a question earlier today as I'm thinking about investing in something. Hey, have you actually been there and seen this done? Well, why am I asking that question? I'm going to follow that up because I'm just wanting to confirm that this stuff exists before we go and do the next level. Yeah. Oh, I guess I've, I have been there. I have seen that done. I know that that's what you're looking for. Okay, perfect. That's what I really want to know is all I want to know the, the due diligence behind it, right? So uh, that's a framework that you could walk through by yourself before you get to a, a coach who's going to ask you these deeper questions and you can utilize your time with them as wisely as possible. All right, Ern, final thoughts for today. Well, I think that is a great final thought for you, Russ. The one thing that I add to it is you're not always going to ask the perfect questions when you get together, right? So what a great opportunity in our inner circle for us to engage and ask each other questions on a weekly basis, but also have consistent training times that we've set up on the first and third Tuesdays. So don't put all the pressure on yourself to come up with the perfect question, right? You don't know, you don't, you don't have to go get the answer before you can know what question to ask. You, this is a process. This is a journey, a learning journey. And the benefit of existing in the inner circle is that not only do you have an opportunity to ask a question one week and come back and ask the next question, but you also get to hear the questions that other others are asking. So I know in a minute, we're about to jump in to the community at large, and I'm sure there's going to be many more questions. And I look forward to those because I learned from them. And that's the opportunity for you as you listen to this to get access to that same opportunity. Great, great point. JD, final thought. Um, I, I, I've been in this industry for almost 15 years. And I will tell you for as long as I've been in this industry, and this is not meant to gas you guys up. It's, it's truthfully the truth. Um, it wasn't until I got connected with Wealth Without Wall Street uh, a couple of years ago that my world got completely open to all these different income, passive income opportunities. And I share that because if you're listening and you don't know where these opportunities exist, I'm telling you how to find them, right? They're in our community. They're dealing with the people that we get a chance to talk to and engage with all the time. Because it's likely that the people that you're naturally connected with, they don't have access to those. And that's not a dig on them or, 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 or shame on them. It's just because they don't know what they don't know, right? And so if, you're, if one of the things that you're missing in your life is the opportunity to figure out how do I invest in passive income sources, this is it. Sign up for the community, get access to the people and, and, and um, uh, the folks that are in here all the time sharing different great ideas. Mm. Staggins. My final thought is uh, I'm grateful that we could spend some time just going through some of these questions that have been in our community recently, but this is not a rare thing except on the podcast, right? In the inner circle, you're getting access to these kind of questions and you're being able to ask these kind of questions every week. 
And let me just say one of my highlights from the inner circle and from the Pasadena Mastermind, the very first week of each month when we have a speaker come in and they share either a passive income idea, a tax strategy, or an infrastructure strategy. And after that speaker leaves, that is when it gets really exciting because now I can ask a question or I can provide my perspective on whatever that, that content that was just shared. And then I get to hear from the whole room, everybody's perspective on that particular thing. And it never ceases to amaze me how at the end of that, little things in my brain have changed because of the feedback from everybody around you. That is the kind of thing that you need on this journey. It, it will absolutely give you light speed towards your goals because you're able to borrow that collective mindset, experience, and motivation. So that's my, that's my final thought and grateful for this time. Every single week, as we do the intro, Joey and I awkwardly trying to do it in unison say, let's belly up. And what we're talking about is bellying up is a Southern term for getting getting face to face with people, but we're doing it at a round table. The purpose of a round table is so that you can see and hear those around you and can take input as compared to being at a table where you're all shoulder to shoulder and you've known you've been there, you've gone to an event at a larger group and the person who's two chairs down to you on your left or your right you really don't get to communicate with them. You don't get to hear what was said. That's the environment most people are in. If you're in that environment and you want to belly up, take advantage of the opportunity these coaches can share with you. Go to wealthwildwallstreet.com. One more time, wealthwildwallstreet.com forward slash free call. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this. We know uh, your time is valuable. Hope you find some um, nuggets in here that you can use. If you hadn't already, please take time to rate and review the show. That's how people find us, and that's how we can be the big tech algorithm. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.